March 24th is National Adverse Drug Event Awareness Day. National Adverse Drug Event Awareness Day shines a light on the fourth leading cause of death in America, which is adverse drug events. Adverse drug events include medication errors, medication side effects, allergic reactions to medications, and medication overdoses. Adverse drug events account for 3.5 million physician office visits per year, account for 1 million emergency department visits per year, account for 2.2 million hospital admissions per year, account for $136 billion in U.S. healthcare costs per year. The American Society of Pharmacovigilance, ASP, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to rapidly and dramatically reduce the high rate of suffering and mortality due to adverse drug events in the United States. ASP encourages patients to share your personal adverse drug event story using the hashtag ADEAwareness. ASP encourages healthcare professionals to share your personal story of how you prevent adverse drug events every day using the hashtag ADEHERO. ASP encourages healthcare organizations to share your organization's story about champion for patient safety using the hashtag ADEChampion. Please help the American Society of Pharmacovigilance erase adverse drug events. You may just save a life. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. This is the PGX for Pharmacists podcast. We believe pharmacists are the best positioned providers to lead in PGX. Pharmacogenomics is the study of how genes affect a person's response to drugs. This relatively new field combines pharmacology and genomics to develop effective, safe medications and doses that will be tailored to a person's genetic makeup. This podcast is dedicated to pharmacists with an interest in learning more about the data analytics, industry trends, and evidence-based usage of pharmacogenomics. Welcome to PGX for Pharmacists, part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Dr. Becky Winslow, and you're listening to the PGX for Pharmacists podcast that Wealth Magazine recognized in 2021 as the ninth most listened to genetics podcast in the world. On the PGX for Pharmacists podcast, we explore all things pharmacogenomics related, and our mission is to educate and advocate for pharmacogenomics. I accomplished this mission through excuse, exclusive interviews with highly qualified 
and well-experienced spermacogenomics industry leaders, such as today's special guest. I couldn't be more excited. You guys are going to love this guest that we have today. He is so well-versed in pharmacogenomics. He has so much work experience. Um, I'm extremely pleased to introduce to you guys Dr. Jeffrey Shaman. Um, Jeff is the Chief Science Officer at Coriel Life Sciences, and they are an international leader in precision medicine that I'm sure most of you are familiar with. So thank you, Dr. Shaman, for joining us on the podcast today. Um, I'm excited to bring today's topic to our audience, as I know they're going to appreciate learning the importance of population health level pharmacogenomics programs versus one-off pharmacogenomics tests and um, how clinical decision support software that integrates pharmacogenomics data into the patient's medication therapy management is, is a key tool to scale and optimize population health level pharmacogenomics programs. So uh, let's get started. Um, I like to start my podcast episodes by letting the guests define for the audience. This is really important for me. Um, what qualifies you as a PGX expert? If you don't mind, could you please tell us about your extensive education that I alluded to earlier and your extensive work experience in pharmacogenomics? And we would really love to hear what your journey was in the PGX industry from your first experience until your current position. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Becky, for inviting me to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, and I know that's near and dear to yours as well. So to kick us off, um, I uh, received my doctoral degree from the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, Pharmacology, and Molecular Sciences Department. My research has always centered around DNA. Um, at the time, it was in the oncology space and epigenetics and looking at nuclear structure and function. Um, I also received a master's of science degree from the University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey, which is part of Rutgers and Cell and Developmental Biology. Um, but throughout my career, I've always wanted to take all of this information on DNA to make it useful for the patient in a really scalable fashion. So as far as my work experience before working here as the Chief Science Officer at Coria Life Sciences, I held a faculty position at the University of Hawaii, the Institute of Biogenesis Research. Uh, fantastic opportunity if you guys get out there, tell everybody I say hello. <laughs> um, and I did that before serving a fellowship at Harvard Medical School and uh, implementing a translational research program at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and Bedford Stem Cell Research Foundation. And at all of those places, it was always about genetics. It was always about the patient and making um, that leap in translational medicine. I also have a fantastic opportunity and I'm an active member in a bunch of consortia that we'll probably get to a little bit later, but the Clinical mm -hmm. Pharmacogenomics Implementation Consortium, the CPIC group that I think a lot of your listeners know about, and the Stripe Collaborative Community that's uh, standardizing mm -hmm. laboratory practices in pharmacogenomics, and the Personalized Medicine Coalition and Pharmacogenomics Global Research Network and other organizations that are like-minded in making sure that our patients um, get to use these interesting new science and technology uh, to benefit their health. Absolutely. Those are great groups to be a member of. And 
I, I also am a member of those and, and they are very critical to our mission to describe to help our patients. So um, now that you've uh, qualified yourself as a PGX expert for our audience, uh, let's discuss your current pharmacogenomics work. Could you elaborate um, for us? Some of our audience members may not be well aware about Coriel Life Sciences and what you guys do. Um, and how you actually are bridging that gap between genetic science and the clinical applications that actually help those patients that it's our mission to help. Yeah, absolutely. So Coriel Life Sciences was born out of the Coriel Institute uh, for Medical Research, uh, which was founded, I believe, in 1953. So we're talking about almost 70 years of uh, cutting edge research. Um, that uh, we, we had a study there called the Coriel Personalized Medicine Collaborative, and that started about 13, 10, 13 years ago. And the goal of that too is to understand best practices for getting genetic information out to both physicians and patients. And so all of that, Coriel Life Sciences translates those decades of cutting edge genetic research into actionable insights on the safest and most effective medications for individuals based on their unique DNA and dozens of other factors that we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. And what really gets us there is, is the technology piece. So I get to play scientist and I love the work I do. I have a fantastic team. The other piece of all of this to make it useful and scalable is the technology piece of it. And our CEO, Scott McGill, is really the expert and has brought together a phenomenal team to ensure that the science and technology are used in a way that impact our patients positively. So it's clear, and we'll talk about today, I'm hoping, how pharmacogenomics is not the only issue to consider when dealing with medication mismanagement. But how do we deal with this in, in a scalable fashion? And that really is that link between genetic science and clinical application. So that means that to empower healthcare providers to improve health, we, we use pharmacogenomics, which we know is the science behind uh, genetics um, as a proxy for understanding which me medications are gonna be uh, safe and effective, um, and providing all of these other risks in a technologically uh, useful fashion in a clinical decision support tool. Mm -hmm. And so the way I always look at it is if I had a broken leg, um, I would want a radiologist as the expert absolutely. to understand what's going on, right? Right. Yes, and absolutely. but so for us and here today on the pharmacy podcast, I think this is a perfect opportunity to really highlight the strong work that our pharmacists do, right? If I've mm -hmm. got or if a family member has an issue with medication, who are we gonna go to? I oh. have a pharmacist. <laughs> a pharmacist, that's right. Yeah. So that, that gap between genetic science and clinical application is definitely a challenge, like you mentioned. And it, it may be what has held pharmacogenomics back a bit. Um, if one can't take the, all of that science and use it, right, and translate it into clinical mm -hmm. practice and utility, then it just stays in peer-reviewed research articles. Fantastic for the academics amongst us. But, you know, um, at the laboratory bench as an esoteric solution, just that's not 
usable in, in real life. So we at Coria Life Sciences are really doing this in a way that nobody else is doing it right now. We're making it scalable with the pharmacists mm -hmm. at the center of care. And to do that, we're empowering the employers and hospitals and retirement systems and patients to improve public and personal health. And because this really is all about the power in knowing. So Jeff, now that you've told us a little bit more about Coriel Life Sciences, can you share with us maybe what um, roles and responsibilities you have as a chief scientific officer um, at CLS? So, you know, what does your average day look like at uh, Coriel Life Sciences? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you touched on before we lost a little bit of the connection there how pharmacogenomics is not really new, right? We even know that story of Pythagoras, who was running away from the military. He was backed into a corner. I think it was up against a field of fava beans, and he stopped. He froze in his track. And what's interesting about that story is that fava beans can injure and even hurt folks who have issues with G6PD, which is a pharmacogenomic gene. And so we, we talk about this as decades of science as the foundation for what's happening today, but it might even be longer than just decades yes. of science, right? So yes. your, your question was about um, the roles and responsibilities I have here, and it really is around the foundation of, of science and, and working with large employers and public and private payer organizations and healthcare systems and academic institutions and laboratories around the globe. But my favorite part is probably being a mm -hmm. problem solver, mm -hmm. right? So um, as a recovering academic, um, <laughs> understanding the research and the science behind why this is important and how it's going to impact our patients is extremely important. And my team and I have put out scientific papers in all of those fields, both the bench research and understanding the genetics of little esoteric genes like cytochrome P450-2D6, which impact multitudes of probably more medications uh, than, than we've got mm -hmm. time to talk about. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but also understanding how that has clinical utility and how it interacts both with a single patient and case reports, but also from a public health standpoint. So mm -hmm. I really, really enjoy that problem solving. Um, I get the opportunity to do it with scientists, with clinicians, with pharmacists, with companies, with patients, and hearing the feedback from each of those groups every day and what they're challenged with. What, what are the challenges that pharmacists are having? What are the challenges our patients are having? And then turning those into actionable clinical uh, programs to me is a lot of fun. And, and I've got an awesome team, you know, that gets to further the <laughs> science helps. and the research. Yes. It absolutely does, right? <laughs> Makes we, it or breaks it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. If you're not having fun with the folks that you're working with, it's probably not worth doing it. And I'm, I'm really lucky with the team here at CLS. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I have honestly made a career in pharmacogenomics solving problems because let's face it, there is no golden rule for pharmacogenomics and, and absolutely how it has to be done. Um, so it's been a matter of creating solutions. So <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the 
fun part. That's where we get to use our creative energies along with our scientific brains, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And there's so many moving parts. And, yes. and, and considering, right, uh, education, both of the patient and the healthcare mm -hmm. provider and all of this is uh, really, really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's critical to get it right. And that's what you guys have done. So um, speaking about getting pharmacogenomics accurate, um, <laughs> let's talk about your personal mission um, to empower the most precise medical care worldwide. And like you mentioned a little bit earlier, the public health aspect um, of delivering personalized medicine at scale, because I mean, a pharmacogenomics test uh, for one patient is, I mean, it's great. We're not knocking that and we want that patient to have their individual test, but for the good of all, <laughs> we want to be able to scale this to a population health level and to address those public health issues of adverse drug reactions and non-therapeutic outcomes so that um, we're helping with those rising healthcare costs. And um, it's, it's not just the patient, it's, it's public health. Yeah, I, I you touched on a lot of points there. Let's let's break this down <laughs> a little bit together. Yeah. Um, so to me, scalability is definitely leveraging pharmacogenomics and pharmacists mm -hmm. to do the most good, right? And right. and that really means using both the technology and the science to provide the best of available care. And I think you you. You touched on it really well then that make uh, that making an impact on more people's lives is a population mm -hmm. health piece. Mm -hmm. And we in doing that, we're also affecting individuals' lives. And so we know that healthcare's quadruple aim is uh, really an attempt at addressing each one of those. So that quadruple aim addresses better outcomes for our patients and, and population health. The improved quality care, that's the improved patient experience and making sure that they're getting out of personalized medicine exactly what they want, right? We need to be asking our patients, what do you need out of this? It might not be feeling the best. It might be playing with the grandkids, right? Exactly. And so we have to, we, we've got to balance those, those clinical aspects. But there's also taking into account the finances of all of this and lowering the cost of care, just like you said, right? And that's the economics part of what we call ECHO, which is economics, uh, clinical, and humanistic outcomes. So decreasing pharmacy spend, total healthcare spend, out-of-pocket spend, right? The, for the betterment of our healthcare system, we want to drive those costs down. And the fourth piece of the quadruple aim is care team well-being and, and improving the clinician experience. So uh -huh. to do that, there's a, like we talked about, there's a, a lot of moving parts, but having a good process and technological infrastructure is what's going to ensure that this works well. And what we've done here at CLS to ensure that is the very front end of that infrastructure ensures that the science and the clinical utility is mm -hmm. appropriate and usable. And we have this knowledge base, and like we mentioned, decades of research and research papers like our FACES process that, that helps us validate 
what in the peer-reviewed literature, what in drug labels, what of the clinical guidelines is important and useful, and making sure that that gets to the patient. Then the centerpiece, right, or, or the next piece is probably more accurate, is right. laboratory genetic testing, right? Mm -hmm. So genetics in pharmacogenomics space doesn't change over the life of the patient. So right now, the costs have come down for genetic testing. And so doing a broader genetic test is more appropriate. It's cost effective, and it allows the technology then to be more future-proof. So sure. it might be a specific gene and drug combination. It doesn't have the clinical utility that we'd like it to, so it doesn't end up in a report. But we do start seeing emerging, emerging evidence that in a year or two or five years that that information will be there. So what do we do? Let's test this. Let's get that laboratory genetic information out there. Our programs also make sure that there's education and enrollment that's simple. Our population in the US is very savvy. I am always really impressed on the questions that I get from people. <laughs> asking about privacy issues and oh, yeah. how it's going to be used and what are the benefits and the disadvantages and it's fantastic and i think that the news about um, genetics being used in other spaces whether it be um, oncology or other spaces that we've seen is has really moved this forward and made people think about I it agree. in a good way right I, and I then agree. then the the um the clinical decision support system, like GeneDose Live, adds that accessibility and um, scalability that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So future-proofing it, look, I'm not on any medications right now, um, but look, Becky, if you find me passed out at a bus stop and <laughs> I've had a heart attack, Please I've learned, <laughs> right? <laughs> Please don't give me Plavix or Clopidogrel. I'm not on it now, but because of my genetics. So there's this, this preemptive testing piece that's also mm -hmm. helpful. And I appreciate you helping me out if I passed out at a bus stop. Oh, I will. Don't worry. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> so, yeah. but that also, the genetics piece, the scientific and the, and the laboratory piece, it's, um, we want to do this broad therapeutic testing. I think that we're now past that idea of just testing for, say, behavioral health or a certain medication or just cardiology or just endocrinology. Polypharmacy is oh, a yes. huge issue in the U.S. Is, and absolutely right, right, and and we know that it's not just limited to certain age groups. If you're on meds, you're often on a lot of meds in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so polypharmacy is not just a one disease issue either. So let's pull this all back together into scalability, I think, which <laughs> was your question. <laughs> having that infrastructure and having a clinical decision support tool like GeneDose Live allows for first the rapid identification of risk. What's the issue? And it's not just genetics we've got to That's think about it. drug drug interaction right right this is a pharmacy issue mm -hmm. drug drug interactions um anticholinergic burden age-related toxicity warnings like beers criteria 
um, contraindications, pregnancy and lactation warnings, things that we eat and drink, foods, uh, smoking, all impact our medications. We've all heard, you know, don't don't take this drug with alcohol. Well, that's important, <laughs> and and those risks are there, and the pharmacist needs to do this and do it fast. So, an infrastructure that can handle all of that information, make sense of it, and then utilize it. Um, in in full groups, whether it be employer populations or retiree populations or just public health in general, um, mm -hmm. that enabling that so that folks can plug into this model is really important. And I believe you talked to Jane Gilbert once I did. about I did. that's great. That's great. Yes. I hope you had a fantastic conversation. But I that's did. a fantastic example. Example. Of, yes. Right. Right. Yes, so, they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> yeah, there was what, 10, over 10,000 people enrolled in that program that mm -hmm. saw the benefit of pharmacogenomics plus this or comprehensive medication management that we're talking about and bringing it all together. So mm -hmm. it's a. Uh, yes, I had the privilege of working with them, um, training their pharmacists out in Kentucky. Uh, so that was a great experience. They're a great group of pharmacists and they're very eager to learn more about pharmacogenomics and apply it um, with your system. So yeah, that was a great experience and Jane and I became acquainted through that. Um, let's touch on, I wanna touch on one thing that I think is really critical to this conversation and that is I've often um, had people, uh, practitioners or such say, oh, well, now that I have this pharmacogenomics test, I, the test results, I know exactly what to prescribe. This is my roadmap. And I think it's critical that we point out that no, pharmacogenomics test is just another piece of that medication therapy management puzzle, or it's a tool in that toolbox. Um, and that is where we think about other considerations, the, like you mentioned earlier, phenoconversions that result from food or drink or smoking. Um, so, you know, just making sure that uh, people realize that all of that should be considered, that pharmacogenomics test results are not like a magic, um, uh, you know, the secret decode for the decoder ring. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yes, I think that's critical and, and I like, that's the great thing about a clinical decision support software is integrating those different factors. I think that's right, Becky. I, the part that gets me, what we want to move away from, and I love how savvy you and your audience are when it comes to this stuff. The idea of a red, yellow, green that mm -hmm. says because of genetics, this medication is good for a patient. Mm -hmm. you're, you're absolutely right. If we're ignoring the fact that another medication is going to cause that patient to not process a certain drug correctly, then, then that drug <laughs> needs to be in the red column. Yes, and so having, right, so having a static report on pharmacogenomics is, can get overly complicated if the patient isn't on one of the drugs, right? We want to keep that live. We want to keep it interactive and we want to keep it changeable because yeah. it might be that the patient um, 
you know, was pregnant when they had the test done, but has now moved on to the next stage, right? The baby's been born and now they're worried about the next issue or the patient has stopped smoking. So that's no longer a concern. So you're absolutely right that pharmacogenomics is just one piece of the puzzle mm -hmm. um, and, and a system that, that considers it all is the right way to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this has been a great conversation and I wish we could talk longer. We could probably talk for hours. I'm sure we could um, <laughs> with all of our experiences and future projections and et cetera. Um, but our time is limited um, for today. So I like to ask my guest a parting question. Okay. Um, cue the Jeopardy music. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, Bring it. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So I know personally that um, I have had a team of people in the pharmacogenomics industry that I can count on to call. I call them my phone of pharmacogenomics friends. Um, <laughs> okay. So I like to ask my guest who is in your phone of pharmacogenomics friend list and maybe why they're in your list. Oh, fun question. Um, so earlier on, I kind of gave you an understanding that I get to touch a lot of the fun pieces of what goes on in pharmacogenomics, right? Everything mm -hmm. from the science to the clinical to the regulatory to the reimbursement, all of these would be, you know, another conversation that we could yes. have with, with the audience. But I think that I would reach out to the folks that I look at that uh, are experts in each of those spaces. And those mm -hmm. might be some of those consortium and groups that, that I've, I mentioned earlier, like sure. CPIC, um, the PMC group, um, the PGRN is fantastic with the research that they've been doing. Stripe is a, a, another group. And because of their relationship with the FDA, they've got some insight into how all of this is being thought about on more of a national level. In fact, I'll, I'll put a pitch out for them that on March 24th, is National Adverse Drug Event Awareness Day. Yes, it is. So if every, it absolutely is. So if we could all come together and and think about the things that we've talked about during your show, Becky, and how this impacts our patients and adverse events and efficacy. And um, I think mm -hmm. that's my group of phone a friend. And, <laughs> and I definitely, maybe, uh, maybe we can do this again. And yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm, I'd love to have you back. And oh my gosh, we could drill down into the individual uh, pieces of the conversation that we had today. And there's I just so much, it. there's so much information I want to share. Um, and it seems so little time. So please, we'll have you back sometime to discuss more. Um, so thank you so it. much for joining us for this episode. I want to make sure that our listeners know how they can contact you for more information. Maybe they want to put you on their phone or pharmacogenomics friend list. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I would love that. Thank you. Can you let them know how they might uh, reach out to you further? Oh, sure. So if you go to coriel.com, you'll find me there. That's C-O-R-I-E-L-L. Um, you can find me uh, on LinkedIn. If you search for Jeffrey A. Shaman or Jeff Shaman, 
I usually use that middle initial in there. Uh, you can find my research articles. You can find me on LinkedIn. I believe I'm on Twitter as well. Um, shoot <laughs> me an email. Give me a call. I'm excited to speak with you guys. That's a wrap, everybody. Thanks for your interest in PGX and for spending some time with us. Please share this podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. For all of our episodes, please visit PGX4RX.com. That's PGX4RX.com.